God, you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, you are our Lord and your name is majestic. Would you be with us now in these moments? We've already sung songs worshiping your greatness, praising your name. We've already worshipped you through giving of our financial resources. God, there are those who are worshipping you right now by sacrificing their time and spending time investing in our children, Lord, in the nursery, in the twos and threes, in the, in the preschool area, and also with our children's church. God, thank you for all of those who have been so willing to worship you this morning. But we seek to worship you through the reading, the teaching, the proclamation of your holy word. And we ask that you would move amongst us this morning. That you, Father, would speak to us. And that we, your servants, would humbly listen and receive your word. God, I know that I have nothing fancy, nothing eloquent to say. God, there's nothing that I can say that will be impactful Father, it is only you and your spirit working through your word. So would you speak this morning, Lord? Think with my mind and speak with my mouth, Lord. That we might hear from heaven. Lord, we love you and we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This morning we will be in the book of 1 Samuel. We will read all of chapter 3 of 1st Samuel. So that's at the beginning portion of your Bible. You've got the first several books of the Bible leading up to 1st Samuel, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Right after Ruth, you're going to find 1st Samuel and we'll be in 1st Samuel chapter 3. If you see 2nd Samuel, you've gone one book too far. You just go back to 1st Samuel. Should be pretty straightforward there, but just making sure everybody knows. Hopefully you're finding your place in your own Bible, but if not, feel free to tune in on a phone or a tablet or however you want to access the Word of the Lord. You can also see on the screens the Scriptures. Um, however you are accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word. We'll read First Samuel chapter 3. We'll go through all 21 verses. When we have completed all 21 verses, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond with a hearty thanks be to God. Let's look together now at 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called for me. But he said, I I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, 
You shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This week, as I was preparing our sermon for this morning, I spent a lot of time asking the question of the Lord. Where would you have us to go? What sermon series would you have us to enter? What passage would you have us to study? What would you have for Bethany Baptist Church, for us together as a body of believers to hear from your word? And then I sat in silence and I prayed some and I listened to some Christian music and I, I thought real hard and, and I just sat there and, and then, and then nothing. And then absolutely nothing. And so I was like, okay, Lord, where are we going? What are we doing? What's going to happen here? We got to have a message for Sunday. Sunday is, is coming every seven days. There's a Sunday and you know, the church expects for there to be a, a sermon. I, I'd like for you to teach me something this week so then we can share it together with the, with the church. And, and I was like, man, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I don't know where we're supposed to go. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I, I, I felt like I was in some sort of a, a, a sermon block or, or some sort of a, a drought. And I, I just didn't know where the Lord was leading until I remembered. You know, I, I remember when the Lord spoke to some people in the past. I remember when God's voice called out to his speakers, to those who represented him speaking to the people. And so the Lord led me to First Samuel chapter 3. So this is not the beginning of a sermon series. This is not us diving into the books of first and second Samuel. We're not going to start a process of studying King Saul or anything like that. What I know for a fact is that the Lord has led us to first Samuel chapter three for this Sunday. And we'll see where the Lord leads for next Sunday. But I found it ironic that the Lord led me to this passage in the midst of a time where I thought, what? Are we supposed to preach on what, what are we supposed to be studying? And he said, hey, man, 
just be quiet and just listen. Have you, have you ever talked to a friend who's a friend like me? I'm not a very good listener, I'm not a very good friend. And I'll come up to you and I'll say, hey, Ethan, how's it going at college, man? How's everything going? What's going on with, I mean, I know you, you enlisted. I know there's a lot that's going on with that. What's, what's going on with that? What's going on with college? Do you have a girlfriend right now? Are you dating anybody? What, what's going on with that? Hey, how's the drive back and forth to your parents? I've, I've now asked Ethan four, five, six questions and have not given him a moment to respond. I find that sometimes we are that way with the Lord. Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's not your walk. Maybe that's not your relationship with the Lord. But sometimes I find in my prayers, Lord, could you tell me something? Could you speak to me? I got this going on. I want this to happen. And I spend so much time talking that I never shut my mouth and listen or turn to his word and say, okay, God, what would you have me to hear I find that sometimes we're very guilty of this. Sometimes we're, we're victims of not praying very often at all. And if we do pray, it's a long stream of something that we want from the Lord. And then we move on and we wait and expect for the Lord to do something. God, I'm really unhappy at my job and I need for you to make some changes. I need some changes in my life, Lord. Make it happen. And then you just go right about your business. God, I don't know what to do with my kids. I'm just, I'm at my wit's end. I need you to do something with my kids. But, but then we don't take the time to go to His Word. We don't take the time to hear what God would say to us. We speak to God, and most of the time we speak to God in our moments of crises, and then we move on about our business. Such was the case in Judges. All through the book of Judges, as we're leading up, Ruth takes place in the midst of the story of Judges. But all through Judges, that's the nation of Israel. They are led by Joshua, and then after a few generations, a generation arises that they don't remember. Nobody passed down the stories to them. And so it says in Judges multiple times that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And they would sin and fall away from the Lord. And then the Lord would allow somebody to come in and conquer them. And then in desperation, they would say, Lord, help us. Lord, save us. In God's mercy, he would raise up a judge. They would be rescued. And then shortly, the cycle would repeat itself. They were living their lives, ignoring the Lord, not listening to the Lord whatsoever. And they turned around and they would cry for help whenever things got really tough. That's the background leading into 1 Samuel. And when we find Samuel, he is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And look at what it says there in verse 1. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Don't miss the play on words here that there was no frequent vision. And Eli is supposed to be the one who is teaching, leading, directing the people of Israel. And his eyesight had begun to dim. There is no frequent vision. Talking about vision, casting vision for the people. And Eli's eyesight is failing. The author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants us to see the connection between Eli's disconnect from God, his lack of vision for the people, and his lack of eyesight. But it also says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And you know, you and I are very tempted to fall into the trap of thinking that that is true for today. 
Even as I read that, does some of you kind of in your back of your minds, maybe you don't have to say it out loud, but when I say, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, your immediate reaction is, mm, and it is today too. I tell you what, the word of the Lord is just rare. The word of the Lord is so scarce, we can't go and find the word of the Lord from any good preacher. Where are all the good preachers? You're probably thinking that right now. Where is a good preacher that could preach a better message than this? I understand that those thoughts may be going through your head, but that's not the scenario that we find ourselves in today. It's not funny to turn my mic off in those times. I mean, I know it's, it's, I got you, Matt. All right. The word of the Lord was not rare in our time. Do, do you know why? The word of the Lord is more accessible today than it has been in centuries. This is the word of the Lord. That's why we say that after we read it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He has gifted us his word. We have so many translations in English. We fight over which one is the most valid translation to use. We have books upon books upon books printed. The Bible is still the number one seller worldwide. All the new translations added together, the King James translation, all of the Spanish translations, all of the Portuguese translations. There are numerous translations in all of the main languages of all of the most populous countries in all of the world printed millions by millions every single year. But see, we... We neglect that this is the word of the Lord. We want the word of the Lord like Samuel heard the word of the Lord. We forget that this is the word of the Lord. And we want somebody that says, thus says the Lord. Here's what God is speaking. I heard God's very voice and I heard God's voice say X, Y and Z. And this is what he has said. Folks, this is what he has said. We're living in a time where the word of the Lord is everywhere And it's so common that we just leave it sitting aside. It's become cliche. It's become blasé. It's just the Bible. I heard that story before. I I, I could read that story again. I, I know how that story goes. Some of you may be thinking that about this morning already. First Samuel chapter three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samuel gets called. Hey, Samuel, he goes to Eli. You know, you, you may have heard this story umpteen times in your life, but this like it or not, is the word of the Lord. It is not rare. You can get it on your tablet. You can get a free app on your phone that will remind you and send you a verse every single day. You set the time you want it to send it to you. You could get a word from the Lord every day at a specific time on your phone because it sends it to you through a free app. Folks, the word of the Lord is not rare in our day. But what is Similar to this passage in our day is what we see in Samuel. You see, the the word of the Lord was rare in Samuel's day. Samuel is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. But now come down to verse seven. In verse one, he is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Samuel is a special gift of a child. He's given to Hannah, who was barren and who felt ashamed. And she prayed and she begged and she prayed and she begged and God gave her a child. So she said, God, if you give me a child, I will give that child back to you. And so Samuel was born to her and she raised him into the point to where she could give him to Eli and he serve all of his life in the temple. That's why Samuel is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. He is in the tent of meeting. He is there ministering and serving, 
In verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now this is something we can identify with. How many of us find ourselves ministering in the house of the Lord? How many of us find ourselves serving in the presence of some servant of God, some prophet, some preacher, some speaker, some leader, some shepherd who is supposed to be guiding us and and leading us forward? And we're serving among the church. We're serving in the church. But we don't know the Lord and we don't know the word of the Lord. Samuel is living with Eli, serving the Ark of the Covenant, the most sacred things that Israel has. God's very presence is there, and he doesn't know the Lord. Man, that is sad. Samuel becomes an incredible prophet. He he judges over Israel for decades. He anoints the first two legitimate kings of the kingdom of Israel before it's divided. Samuel is an incredible man of faith who does wonderful works for the sake of God, for the name of God, for God's glory. And yet here he is serving without knowing the word of the Lord. And I don't know about you guys, but I think we fall victim to that. The word of the Lord is not rare in our day, but we cast it aside and don't pay attention to it. Don't act as though it is the word of the Lord. And we continue ministering. We continue doing good things, doing nice things, but we don't look to the word of the Lord. And and you know how I know this is true? Because of how many people I have conversations with that says, Pastor, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Even personally. Preparing this week for this sermon. God, I just don't know what you want me to say. God, I just don't know what you want us to study. If you could just speak, if you could just say something. How many of you have been at that point in your life? If I could just know where God is directing me, if I could just know what God wants me to do, then I would follow. I would do it. I just need to know what God wants me to do. What's his perfect will for my life? And folks, the word of the Lord is not rare. It's not a mystery that God has hidden from us. It's not something complex. It's not something complicated. It's not something that makes us have to do algebra or trigonometry or calculus. It's not a foreign language. It's right here. Just just walk through some verses with me. Just just walk through a few. It's so straightforward that that's why we miss it. That's why I miss it. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Does it not sound familiar? God, if you would just make it plain, if you would just tell me and make it simple, I'd do it. I just, but I'm, it's so confusing. The Bible, I don't get it. I don't even understand what this preacher's saying. He just raises his voice and lowers his voice. What's going on? Make it plain. Jesus answered them, I told you. You didn't believe me. <laughs> How many times do we go to God? God, if you'll just tell me, I told you. You just didn't believe me. I told you. You're just not believing. You just don't listen. These are the people, the ones who gather around him. They're the good church members. 
They're the faithful attenders. They're the ones ministering in the temple, but they don't know the word of the Lord. They're in a good Christian culture for them. They're in a good Jewish culture looking for the Messiah, but they still miss him. And he's right in front of them. And he says, I told you, I told you plain as day. Hey, Matt, let's just swap to the pulpit, man. I don't know what this thing's doing today. I'm crazy. All right. So the, the, just be aware, the P's can be very potent and powerful in this microphone. I will try to protect your ears from all the powerful P's. All right. He says, tell us plainly. Just look, if, if, if you really are, stop keeping us in suspense. Tell us plainly. He says, I told you, y'all didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. When's the last time you saw somebody regain their sight? When's the last time you saw a lame man walking? When's the last time you saw sins forgiven? When's the last time you saw the dead raised? The works that I'm doing, says Jesus, bear witness about who I am. Not only did I tell you, but I showed you. Y'all just don't want to see it. But you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. Hear my voice. Hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Don't don't miss that in verse 30, he tells them again who he is. I and the Father are one. You guys just don't want to see it. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. So many of us are begging God, what what should I do? Where do I go? What job do I take? What college do I go to? How do I live this life? And Jesus says over and over and over again, follow me. His sheep know his voice and follow him. We should know his voice and follow him. It's not that complicated. Matthew 4:19. He said to them, "Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men." John 12:26. If anyone serves me, he must also follow me. John 1:43. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, "Follow me." Luke 18:22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, "One thing you still lack, Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Give up your attachment to the material world and follow me. In Luke 9, 59 to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Uh, Jesus, you just don't understand what's going on in my job. Don't worry about your job. Follow me. But Jesus, I just need to know what I'm supposed to do about going to which school. Don't worry about the school. You follow me. But you don't understand there's so much turmoil in my family right now and nobody gets along and everything. Just Don't worry about your family. Let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. He often said these things when people were following him the most closely. When there were throngs of people about him, when he had gathered crowds of thousands, he said, if you love your mother or your father or your sister or your brother more than me, you're not worthy of me. Verse 23 in that same chapter nine, 
He said to all of them, Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. In Mark chapter 10, we see the same verse about the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 8. Calling to the crowd with his disciples, he said to them again, repeating what we've already seen in Luke. Let anyone who would come after me deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Jesus says again in Mark, take, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. In Matthew, we see the same story of the rich young ruler. If anyone would come after me, Matthew says again, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Three different times. In three of the, dip, of the four Gospels, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. He's told us so plainly. Nathan, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. But God, I just, what, what am I supposed to do? Deny yourself, Nathan, take up your cross, Nathan, and follow me. It's the same thing that he says to you. This is the Word of God. And sometimes the message is so simple and we want to make it so complicated that we miss the very word of God. But his sheep know his voice. We hear him calling to us. I just don't understand what God wants us to do as Christians. What is my life supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Right? Great commission. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Man, that always gets me. They're looking at the resurrected Jesus, but some doubted. He was dead, he's alive, he's all glowy probably, like in his glorified body. He's still got the scars from being crucified. Everybody's looking at him and they're like, whoa! And then some people are like, eh, maybe it's not him. Some doubted. It can be plain. It can be right in front of our face. And we can still choose not to believe. We can choose to make it more complicated. And Jesus came and and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Not just the United States. Not just Canada. But all nations. In Greek, that phrase is panta ta ethne, every single ethnicity, every people group. Go to all of them. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What does God want me to do? I just don't understand. My life is so complicated. What's God's perfect will for my life? I just I got it. I got it. I got it for you. I got a special word from the Lord this week. He says, go make disciples of everybody from everywhere. Baptize them, teach them to observe everything that he commanded. And he's going to be with you no matter where you go, no matter who you're talking to, no matter what you do. But you, pastor, you're making this too simple. Okay, you don't understand my circumstances. You don't understand the drama in my life. You don't understand the drama in my family. No, 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 no. I, I, it, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm so sorry you got all that drama. It's angst. I hear you. It's terrible. Anxiety. Ooh, what do I do? Ah, where, where am I going? Right. Yeah. Go, therefore, make disciples. This is very simple. Great commission. Well, th- no, that can't be all that Jesus says. Oh, oh, okay. Well, look, there's one other little thing that he says. Matthew 22. Verses 36 through 40. Teacher. They're asking Jesus. Calling him teacher. Rabbi. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
This is a question that gets asked over and over and over and over in the Bible. Hey, Jesus, what are we supposed to be doing? How do we live? What do we do? What's your will? What do you want? What's the greatest commandment? That's what he's asking. What's the greatest commandment? What should I do? What should I focus on? Here's what Jesus says. And he said to them, Jesus said to the man, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. So let's all the law and prophets on those two. The great commandment, then the great commission, what we just read before that. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Go make disciples. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. As we're going, as we're teaching all that Jesus has commanded, those are the things that Jesus commanded. Go make disciples. Teach them these two things. Because everything in the law can be summed up in these two things. Love the Lord with everything you have, with everything you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go make disciples. But, but, no. That's it. And so many of us are Samuel. From 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we hear the Lord calling out to us saying, go make disciples. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We hear God saying that and we're running to somebody else going, what do you need? What do you want? Where do you need me? What you got? What do you, what do you want me to do? And it takes us over and over again in life of chasing after somebody else, not realizing what God is calling us to do before finally we find a godly mentor that says, hey, next time you hear that voice, why don't you just say, speak for your servant is listening. How many of us hear that voice and we say, "Ooh, ooh, ooh, you're there. Awesome. If you could be quiet for just a minute, and I'm going to speak and I want you to listen. I, I, I just I, I need, I'm going to tell you this stuff. And I, you just, OK. This is us. Or God calls to us through his word, gives us something that convicts our hearts. Some way to love the Lord with all that we have, with all that we are. Some way to love our neighbor as ourselves. Some way to go and make disciples. And we go, I'm not really sure that that was the Lord. Let me go ask Eli. Do you really think this was the Lord? Eli, what did you need? Why did you call me? I didn't call you. Oh, I don't know. I'll just go back to bed then. How many of us are ministering in the house of the Lord? Ministering for the Lord. And yet, we don't know the Lord. We don't know his voice. How many of us ignore how God is calling us and what he is telling us to do because we keep running thinking it's somebody else or something else? It's not that Samuel didn't recognize. It's not that the Lord didn't recognize Samuel. Samuel didn't recognize the Lord. It's not that Jesus didn't recognize the Jews and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. It's that they didn't recognize Jesus. And how many of us are spinning our wheels worrying about how we're going to climb the ladder and make more money and get a better job? And God says, don't worry about all that. Go and make disciples. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness vertically get that right. And all these things will be added unto you. 
How many of us are so concerned with all of these things and whether or not they're going to be added unto us that we forgot to seek first the kingdom of God? How many of us are waiting for some special booming voice from heaven to say to us, Ryan Cobb, go therefore and tell Eli he's a terrible priest. Tell him that he will never have the word of the Lord in his house ever again because he's been a terrible father. How many of us are waiting for that voice? You, you know why we don't, we don't do this? Because it's hard. Samuel didn't get an easy message either, did he? That message was like the message to Ryan Cobb, right? Hey, Samuel, you know this guy you've looked up to your whole life? Practically raised you because as soon as your mom finished weaning you, she just gave you to him. He's been like your dad. He's your adopted father. I want you to go and tell him that he's awful and that he failed to restrain his own biological children, that they were offering sacrifices so improperly that I'm never going to forgive them because they've completely blasphemed my name and that the spirit of the Lord will be taken from his household for all eternity. That'll be your first message. Go tell that to Eli. It said in the verses he was scared out of his mind. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can't, I can't tell that to Eli. The conversation, Eli forces him to tell him the message. Samuel, you better tell me. If you tell me, be it ever so severe, may God do more to you. Tell me every word. And so Samuel goes, okay, here it is. Sometimes... We've missed the words of the Lord. We're looking for some booming voice. Because when we look at this message, we notice it's kind of hard. It demands our whole life. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross. Follow Him. Go make disciples. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It encompasses our whole life. It affects everything that we say, everything that we do, everywhere that we go. And that's too hard. So we don't want to go tell Eli that message. We don't want to go tell the world that message. What do you got for me today, Lord? What about this one decision, Lord? What about your perfect will for what I ought to do about which car to buy or which house to buy? What would you have me to do, Father, about which new phone to get? About which version of the Apple Watch I should purchase? Oh, man, Lord, I'm just torn what should I do? We don't listen to the very simple, very hard message. It says, make disciples. Stop worrying about your Apple Watch. Stop worrying about your house. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to do. Look at the lilies of the field. Look how much I clothe them. Look how good they look. Aren't you more important than them? Stop worrying about it. Go make disciples. Look at the ravens. Look at the birds. I feed them. You don't think I'm going to feed you? Nathan, I'm going to feed you. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat, man. You don't eat too much anyway. Come on, son. Focus on making disciples. That's the mission. That's the word of the Lord. That's what God has called us to. But boy, it's a lot easier to ask God about these simple daily decisions and wait for his booming voice to tell us what to do. Folks, I, I, don't, I don't want to keep going back and forth ignoring God's Word three different times. I don't want to be found ministering in the temple not knowing the Lord. Knowing all about the Lord, but not 
knowing the Lord. I don't want to keep begging God for answers and begging God to move and begging God to say something when he goes, I've already said it. Get it in your head. Folks, we are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. We are called to give up everything and all of the care of this world to focus on him. And he's going to make everything else work out. It's a hard message. But boy, Samuel was willing to go and tell Eli. We got to be willing to go and tell the world. And stop getting caught up in all the the tiny details of, of all of the things in life that distract us. Let's hear the word of the Lord and go do it. But you can't make disciples if you're not a disciple. He says, my sheep know my voice. Maybe God's speaking to you. You don't recognize his voice because you're not one of his sheep. Maybe you don't hear the word of the Lord or come to scripture and recognize it as the word of the Lord because you're not part of his flock. I'm not talking about just the little flock here called Bethany Baptist Church. I'm talking about the universal flock, all the sheep of the Lord. All the sheep of the perfect, great shepherd. Maybe you're not hearing the word of the Lord because you don't recognize his voice and how he has spoken in his word so plainly. Put it right in front of us. I and the Father are one. Do you trust in Jesus? Has there been a point in your life where you said, I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to take up my cross daily? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to believe this word. I'm going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I'm going to trust him to put everything else in its place. Have you done that? Maybe you have done that. And this morning is just a reminder. You may have tuned out a long time ago because you said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I encourage you. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let us take up our cross. Deny ourselves. Follow Him. Let us love Him with all that we have, with all that we are. Let us love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And let us make disciples. This morning, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, I just want to leave you with a question that you need to answer in your own heart. Between you and the Lord. How many disciples has the Lord used you to make? We're called to make disciples. We're called to love people. We're called to love God with all that we have, with all that we are. How many disciples has the Lord used you to make? If you're really trusting and really following Jesus, if I'm really trusting and I'm really following Jesus, and my answer is zero... Maybe I'm not recognizing his voice. Maybe I've missed what the great command and the great commission really are. I can't answer those questions for you. That's between you and the Lord. How many disciples has God used you to make? Because that's the mission. You want to know what God wants us to do? He wants us to love him. He wants us to love others. He wants us to show show that by making disciples.
Will you hear the word of the Lord this morning? Will we as a church be found as a church honoring what God commanded us to do? Will he find us being disciple makers? Or will he find us wailing, not knowing what's going on? What should I do? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, your word, your perfect word, Lord, not not my word. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit does lead us. God, thank you that you have spoken fully and completely in your word, that we can trust your word. We can go and find all that is necessary to live a holy and righteous life before you in this word. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses and to follow you and you alone. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask that you would move in this time of response. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.